Hello and welcome to the Marketer's Guide. I'm Samuel Chong. Today I have a very special guest and I say that of all my guests, but uh, it's a conversation with someone I've met online a couple of years ago and it's none other than Aaron Lin. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Samuel. So Aaron, um, can I call you the Asian James Clear? <laughs> because... <laughs> When I, when I first discovered you, I actually discovered you, um, I discovered your blog on your website and you write quite well, actually, uh, as um, a business person, as well as um, someone who's interested in optimizing your life and mm -hmm. productivity and all that. So, but for the sake of the audience, uh, the reason why we're having this conversation today is that I'm very interested as a marketer to learn how a business works. Um, I want to know how can I get better at um, thinking about business issues and business outcomes and, and align myself to helping a business grow, right? So that's kind of the reason why I wanted you on this podcast. But for the sake of our audience, can you please introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name's Aaron Lin. I'm from Sydney, Australia. I don't live there anymore. I live in Thailand nowadays. Mm. And I guess I call myself a systems and operations consultant, which is a fancy way of saying I help service businesses scale. So mm. I usually work with seven, eight, uh, the occasional nine figure company. And we go in and we figure out what needs to be done for this business to scale, to run smoother, to free up the business owner from having to be there every single day, monitoring everything 24-7. Mm, that sounds awesome. And now, you mentioned you live in Bangkok. Uh, is there a reason why you decided to move towards that part of the world? Yeah, um, I traveled a lot when I was younger. I spent some time living in the States, in the UK, uh, through various places in Asia, and obviously in Australia as well. And living in Thailand is as close to living in paradise as you can get. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, inex it's inexpensive. You can work online. The internet is fast. The weather's good all year. And there are beaches and islands pretty much everywhere. So Yeah. And you forgot to mention the food. <laughs> and yes, Thai food is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so I assume that uh, your business as well is, uh, you have a lot of clients um, around the world. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, would... would where your base right now be an ideal location really to kind of put your roots down, you know, for, for the kind of business that you do, because nowadays everything it's kind of online, you know, we do a lot of zoom calls mm -hmm. nowadays, but you have yeah. been in, you have been remote working for quite a while. Haven't you? Yeah. Since pretty much since the start of my business career, I've been remote working from home. Mostly there mm -hmm. was a brief stint where I was in an office, um, this sort of flexible remote, but, yeah, I've always believed that it's more comfortable to work from, you know, your study or your home office at home than sitting in an yeah. office. So. Yeah. <laughs> and can you share a bit more of your journey? I'd like to know um, how you arrived to where you are today as a kind of business yeah. and systems consultant. Um, your, your journey, like, I really want to know from the start, you know, what led you here? Okay. So I grew up in Australia. Um, I did all the usual things you do in a Western education background, you know, they basically put you on this path to go to university and then into the corporate world, right? Which is what a lot of my friends did. And I guess the difference was when I went to university, I went on what's called an industrial scholarship, which is basically where you work during the day and go to school at night. 
Mm. So pretty much from the time I was like 18, 19, I was sitting in an office nine to five and then going to school like seven to 10 at night, right? To finish university. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I got, I got a lot of exposure to corporate culture very early on. And don't get me wrong, like corporate culture is great. Um, I think if I had gone into the corporate world, I probably would have done quite well. Um, but as fate or whatever you want to call it has it, um, in my last year of university, I applied for the green card lottery in the US and I won it. Mm. So the only condition was I had to move to the United States within six months. So here I was like finishing up my university career. I was like, oh, I guess I'm moving to California in six months time. So yeah, I packed my bags. I went to California. And when you land in San Francisco in Silicon Valley, as you do, most of the people you meet are entrepreneurs starting up businesses. So I was like, well, let me try this thing too. And so that's how I got into my business and entrepreneurship career rather than going into a corporate job. Mm. So you've been running your own business pretty much, would you Since say? I was about 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a long time. And uh, was, yeah. what was your business like at the start? A lot of learning, um, oh. a lot of, you know, crazy hours and networking and trying to figure out how to get stuff to work. Um, I think a lot of it is industry dependent too. Like what I did back then is quite different from what I do now. Mm. Um, and the mentors and the learnings you have are different too when you're starting out, I think. Yeah. And um, you you kind of uh, now, I would say like a business uh, specialist and expert or a guru in terms of, you know, how to build and scale successful businesses. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, just trying to understand a bit what made you go down this path to be a business coach, I would say a business consultant mm -hmm. um, to help other businesses grow and scale? Mm. Yeah. yeah, so I've always loved optimization and systems, right? That's what I studied in university. Mm. Um, and, you know, as a, as a teenager, I read like a lot of personal development books all about improving yourself and being more productive. And it was I guess, natural to transition from that into, well, how do we apply this at a business level mm. as well? And for a period of time, I also founded and ran a business called Asian Efficiency, mm. which I, which was basically all about personal productivity for business professionals. So I left that business uh, quite a few years ago. I sold it to my business partner at the time. And then, yeah. And then since then, I've basically been in operational roles and consulting roles. Mm. So the idea of being able to systemize, operationalize a business comes quite naturally to me. It's just something I've done for a very, very long time. Mm. And and obviously you manage your own business uh, yep. pretty much as a solopreneur. Yeah, pretty much. I do have an assistant, uh, but yeah, I would consider myself a solopreneur for the time being. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, this sounds like an ideal job, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I've been checking your videos and photos out on LinkedIn. You know, you you know, the beach is not too far away. Nope. Um, you, yeah, you do. You ha you have a home gym as well. Yeah. Um, so pretty much, that's your kind of your bubble that you're living in. Uh, but it yep. sounds like you are living in paradise. So congrats on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, and you know, we we um, as marketers, you know, one of the mm. things that sometimes uh, most marketers may not get or may not understand is that marketing should drive revenue. 
mm-hmm. which means to say marketing should drive the business outcomes. And mm-hmm. therefore, you know, it does play a very significant role uh, for any business. But in your opinion, what are sort of the the main three, like the systems, right? You mentioned to me before, uh, mm-hmm. before our conversation that there are three systems that every mm-hmm. business needs. Um, could you elaborate on that? Sure. Uh, well, you've already mentioned the first one, which is marketing, which I think most business people realize very quickly when they do business for themselves that they need it, right? Because with no marketing, there's no customers. With no customers, there's no revenue. With no mm. revenue, there's no business. Mm. <laughs> so that's the first one. And I would go one step further and say repeatable marketing and sales. Mm. And yeah, I, I won't go into too much detail because there are a lot of very smart people who are much better at marketing sales than I am who can tell you all about that. I'm sure you've interviewed some of this <laughs> podcast as well. I would say the second thing, which kind of branches into two, is operational systems in your business. So how do you actually run a business when there's a team, when there are you know clients coming in, clients going out, work being delivered, and then how do you keep it all running, right? Mm. Like, you know, say you have a team of four or five people you don't just be like, all right, here are your jobs. Now go do it. And I'm never going to speak with you ever again. That's not a business. That's like organized or disorganized chaos rather. Yeah. Right. So you need operational systems, which I would say one of it is like a management system. Mm-hmm. And one of it would probably be like a systems of systems, sort of systems, systems management of systems. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a little meta to talk about it that way. But if you think of it as like, well, we have to organize everything we do in the company into some sort of formal structure, right? We need to write mm. it down on paper somewhere. That's your systems management system. And then your operational systems are going to be things like, how do you run meetings? How often do you have meetings? How do you recruit new team members? Mm. You know, how do you make sure clients are happy? How do we actually deliver the work? That's mm. your day-to-day operational systems. Um, and you, yeah. b- before we started recording, you alluded earlier that a lot of business owners start as technicians. So they're great at delivering client work, but then when they come to run a business, they sort of stay technician mode and they forget that there are all these other pieces to the business as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, running a business is hard. I mean, yeah, you know, making the transition from an individual um, contributor to Mm -hmm. become, you know, like a business owner, that's that's a hard transition Mm -hmm. to make, right? And what are some of the mistakes that you've seen uh, business owners make? And I'm talking about like people who may even be in business for for many years and, you know, they've they've made quite a good, you know, sum of Mm -hmm. revenue. But what what are some of the mistakes that you've seen uh, business owners make? Yeah, I think the one extension of what we just talked about is believing it's better to be done yourself. Mm. So a really common scenario is a business owner will delegate a piece of work to someone and you know it either doesn't get done fast enough, doesn't get done on time, doesn't get done the way they want it to. Mm. And they're like, you know what? It's better if I just do it myself. It's faster right. and it gets done. Yep. But then now you have two, a couple of problems. The first is, you know, one, you haven't learned how to delegate. Two, you have a team member or staff member who's like, oh, well, if I don't do it properly, then, you know, so-and-so is just going to do it. The boss is going to do it, right? So I don't have to do it properly. Um, and then three, you're using up your own time, even how little that is, to do it yourself, right? Whereas the correct thing to do would be to figure out how to better effectively delegate that particular thing and then actually just hand it off and let go to your team member to let them do it rather than try to do it yourself. 
sounds very interesting. And um, I'm very keen to dive deeper into a lot of these things that you just said. But can you maybe just share, you know, using this example, mm. what is a great way for someone to kind of, you know, systematize the, you know, delegation of work or even like, um, you know, even mm -hmm. hiring people for like, you know, giving them responsibility? What were some of the systems that you might mm -hmm. build in place? Okay. So two, two different things. Um, for delegation, there is a model which I just found out is actually from the 1980s oh, called wow. Situational Leadership uh, oh, yeah. by Kenneth Blanchard. Mm. And that's a delegation model that says that not all delegation is the same, right? It really depends on the person you're delegating to and the task being delegated. So, you know, most business owners will fall, I find, into one of two extremes, which is they're like, I'm going to delegate by goal. I'm just going to tell them the result that I want and let them figure out how to do it. Or the other extreme, which is I'm going to be so specific and give them like a hundred point checklist on how to do this. And the reality is delegation usually falls somewhere more in the middle, mm. right? So you may have a team member who, you know, is technically quite competent, but they just need a bit more motivation, a bit more coaching support, yeah. right? To let them know, you know, is everything good? Do you need any resources? Do you need any help? And just being friendly and checking in with them. Um, or, you know, for something more complex, they may actually need that 100-point checklist, but then they don't need you following up with them every five minutes to make sure that they're up to <laughs> point six or seven of the list. That's right. Right. So that model basically says that for every task, you should sit down with the team member, at least in the beginning, and ask them, like, you know, how much direction, how much of that checklist do you need, and how much support and motivation do you need for this? Figure out where that is, and then as they get better at it, that will shift, right? And then you can eventually delegate a result, which is like, hey, can you do this? And they're like, yep, I don't need support. I don't really need direction. I'll let you know when it's done. Yeah. I've come across something recently uh, in another podcast. I think Wes K.O. and uh, Chris Doe mm -hmm. mentioned how uh, it's just a teaching pedagogy style, uh, whatever it's mm -hmm. called. But it's it's I do, and then we do, and then you do, right? So that's mm -hmm. that's kind of like the the style of delegation that at least I think a lot of us might practice kind of unconsciously or intuitively is that, you know, we, we do the work, we show the work and then mm. we started, we start delegating that. But um, it's also, I think what you mentioned is important that you understand the kinds of people that you're managing. Uh, some need mm. more guidance, some need less, you know, so that's, mm. that's a, a real need for you to be adaptable and, and situational in regards mm. to how you delegate. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned the three systems again. So it's uh, marketing. Um, was the second one operation systems? Um, yep, operational systems. And, and the third one, uh, yes. systems of systems. Systems of systems. Now, uh, I would like to dive into them a little bit better. But what really is? Are you saying that the the three between these three systems, um, they are the core pillars of what makes a business kind of successful? In the first place, yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever formalized it as a model that way. It's just from the consulting work and coaching work I've done. Mm. Generally, I find that businesses are lacking in one of those areas. Okay. So either so you'll see some business owners have like amazing revenue numbers, but their team is in shambles. They can't retain staff. They're stressed out all the time, and that's mm. usually somewhere along the lines of, you know, operationally something is wrong, right? Yeah. Like the company culture is off or they're not recruiting the right people, or they're not running effective meetings, something like that. Um, and then systems of systems is like, 
what's a good example of this? Uh, okay, I have an example of this. Um, this, is, this comes from a friend who works for a large corporate. Uh, you guys, everyone knows the name. Everyone on the planet knows the name of the corporate. Um, and you would think that such a company would have systems, but they don't. Every time they want to do something, they're just, everyone's given a blank Excel spreadsheet and told to make up their own system for mm. how to do it. Mm. Large corporate, unnamed. Use the spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> so you need systems, at least as a business owner who's probably running, you know, a six, seven, eight figure business, which I think most people would be at some point in their life. Yeah, maybe if you're, you know, a billion dollar company, you can get away with not having formalized systems because it's too complex or something. Mm. But if you're an independent business owner, you're going to need it. Otherwise, you're going to drag yourself crazy from overwork and from overcomplication. Yeah. You alluded to it, uh, and which is something I want to dive deeper into, which is you know using technology to kind of help you build out these systems. Uh, you talk about mm -hmm. spreadsheets, like um, so. So we do uh, the HubSpot CRM, right? So we help mm -hmm. uh, our clients make the most out of the CRM. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> in the last client call, I said, you know, we're gonna have a funeral for spreadsheets, right? We're gonna rid spreadsheets in your company because you can't be managing your business on spreadsheets, and I'm talking about your customers, right? Yeah, I mean, yep. especially it's good for numbers, it's good for finance, but it's not mm -hmm. good for managing customers. So, no. so, you know, how does technology come into play here, you know, when you talk about wanting to scale up, right? So because mm -hmm. um, now, whether or not people uh, are successful in their business, I think they, many of them would, you know, probably do quite well, even without some of these systems in place. Yeah. Uh, but when they start engaging you is when they feel stuck or they feel they mm. can't scale up anymore. And, you know, I, I noticed that um, for yourself, um, you implement systems using a technology platform to help kind of like these systems take root in the company. So can you talk a bit about how technology plays a role and what sort of platforms um, that you use basically to help kind of overhaul the systems within the company? Sure. So if you think about it, if you think back to like economic theory, I'm right, being a little theoretical mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. um, in economics, technology is always described as this thing that innovates productivity, that gives you, you know, massive jumps in your supply curve um, that lets your economy grow beyond the bounds of what would other be otherwise be limited, right? Now, if you map that across the business world and you wind it back pre-computer times, what were business systems back then? Because they still existed, just there were no computers. It was like calculators and filing cabinets and stuff, right? So back then, a business system was basically someone doing a process. So system equals people or person plus process. Now that I we like have that. computers mm -hmm. and technology and apps, we just add one more thing to the equation called technology, right? So now a system is really going to be usually a person, a process, and an app or a piece of technology that goes along with it. And that's your new, or what I consider the new definition of business system mm. nowadays. Yeah. So a lot of people think that, oh, systems is like, you know, programming and code and fancy software and stuff. And no, not really. The system at its core is person and process. Technology mm. just makes it easier to do that process and get it done, right? As for specific platforms, it's, you know, really dependent on industry. Like you guys do HubSpot, which is a great CRM. There are other CVM, CRMs out there, obviously, as well. Um, I would say you can, like nowadays in the present state, group all these platforms into sort of like 
application groupings if you would like. Mm -hmm. um, I can go over some of those if you like. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I would say most businesses, service businesses are going to need some kind of CRM to track their customers. Mm -hmm. That can be from, you know, very basic Google Sheets to something like HubSpot, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on the size of your business and the complexity. You're going to need something like project management systems. So that's your Asana, ClickUp, Monday.coms, yep. um, Trello, if you're so inclined, something to track projects and tasks, mm. right? And obviously this will eventually tie into your CRM or should tie into your CRM as well. You're going to need another category, which I call systems management, which is a knowledge base or a corporate wiki. And this is where you write down your processes. Right. And before anyone tells me I can just put them in Google Docs, no, you can't. Well, <laughs> technically you can. It's just going to become a real pain to manage down the line yes. when you have hundreds of systems and you're like, oh, where do I find this particular Google Doc link? Yeah. Right. And then you're going to have your, your standard Office tools, you know, so Google Workspace or uh, Microsoft Office. What are they? 365 now? I think yeah. It's called. Office 365. I, 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 I haven't kept track. Yeah. <laughs> they keep changing. Yeah. yeah. I, I switched to Google Workspace and never looked yeah. back. So. <laughs> never back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And then nowadays you're going to have other tools like Zoom and Slack as well, right? That's right. Especially communication tools. Yeah, yeah. Communication tools. I'd say those are the, the big ones for most mm. service businesses. Yeah. And, you know, it's, do you notice whether some of the businesses that you consult, um, do they have these tools and perhaps they're not really using them properly or they don't have these tools in the first place? Um, both. 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 Mm. Yeah. If you ask me, do you actually need these tools to be successful? The answer is no, because we go back to the definition that, you know, in the seventies, a business system was a person or a process, mm. right? Yeah. And I, I had a recent client who does over a hundred million dollars a year in revenue and they run on WhatsApp and email. Mm. Wow. I was at the thinking hundred million dollars a year, WhatsApp and email. Amazing. That's <laughs> no I systems, mean, that's... no, no CRM, no exactly. project management, no nothing. Yeah. But that's where you add the most value, right? I mean, you just, you know, look, yes. if you're doing hundred million revenue, what, <laughs> how much more can you be making if you had a system in place? Right. Yeah. Or and... how much less can you be working and yeah. still make the same revenue? Yeah. yeah. So, so along that thought, you know, like, um, I want to ask you, you know, because people think that to scale up, you, you require an investment of some sort, whether it's money or time or, you know, most, mm -hmm. most of the time money. Um, what are your thoughts about, about, um, basically to scale up, you know, do does a business need to invest more money, you know, in technology or in people or what would you recommend otherwise? Um, I feel like this is more of a more of a marketing question. <laughs> well, right, because I mean, just just mm, go on. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, to, if to you, scale, if you need you... more customers, right? Yeah, that's right. So, if you need more customers, um, one of the ways that you can probably scale up is by looking at you know your database, your CRM. Uh, what are some of the gaps in the CRM? What some of the you know the data that you can actually scrape from the CRM to give you an understanding of the audience that you have, you know, and and look at ways where you can increase conversions, you know, uh, where are some of the gaps, where are some of the opportunities, uh, what can the CRM tell you uh, to help you improve your sales and marketing process, right? And that's mm -hmm. even without investing into more salespeople, into more marketing dollars spent, mm -hmm. uh, but it's just kind of like massaging the data and getting some good information or good insights out of the data. Um, now, obviously a business doesn't need to spend even in, 
for example, in technology or even in people. Um, but a business can scale up, right? With just the right processes in place. And this doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend more money. Uh, I think it can be. It's just mm. dependent on the particular business model. Mm. And I say that I think my perspective may be a little skewed because I come from a direct response performance marketing background <laughs> yeah. where scaling is pretty much as soon as you have product market fit, you put as much money as you can right. into that particular advertising channel. Right. Yep. So what would you say would be, you know, coming back to your, uh, your own business and you help uh, businesses that are seven, eight figures, maybe skill. Uh, to the next level, right? To break the glass ceiling. What would you say are the things that you you start doing first? Is it to implement the system straight away or do you actually perform a, an audit of you know the state of the business? Mm. So the first thing is usually to sit down with the business owner, the entrepreneur and figure out what they want. Mm. So you'll be surprised actually at what different business owners want. And it's not always to be the next Elon Musk. Mm. It, it varies a lot actually. Like some, some business owners, yeah, they're definitely scaling people. They're like, you know, we did 5 million this year. We want to do 50 million in a couple of years time. Um, our marketing works. We're just having trouble managing the operational fulfillment side of it. Right. In which case, you know, then we work on the operational systems, the team management, the fulfillment side of it. Mm. Some yeah. other business owners, they don't need to do that. They're like, I'm happy. I make a million dollars a year. Um, I just want more time off to play music. To enjoy the million dollars. Yeah, just <laughs> to enjoy the million dollars, to go on holiday. That's right. Right. I want to work, you know, two, four hours a week and enjoy the rest of the time off. So it, it really varies depending on the business owner, what mm. they want. Yep. Now, um, yeah, while we're on that topic, it'd be great to now, you know, kind of move the conversation to talk about business, right? Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, why do you think someone should start a business? Ooh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I would say you know, I've been through iterations of this question over the years. Like if you'd asked me 15 years ago, I would say, oh, if you're passionate about it, go for it, right? Yeah. I don't think that's that's as true anymore. I think that the opportunity is greater than at any other point in the past because we have the internet, we have you know, Zoom, Slack, you can work anywhere in the world. I think in that sense, the opportunity is there. I would say if you've tried a traditional corporate route and you've decided it's not for you, mm. then I would consider starting a business because there's really no other way that you're going to earn income. You know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Unless you were born into a wealthy family, that's like a different story. Though. Now, but the one thing about businesses is that, you know, um, coming from a person who's not uh, gone into business myself, but I've worked for people. I'm, I've, I've, um, you know, I've been employed by people. Um, to me, starting a business for most people, uh, the first thing is, you know, firstly, <laughs> do I even know what I'm doing uh, with the business? Um, number two, it's very risky. All right now, that can go both ways, right? It's also risky if you continue to put all your eggs in your career basket, <laughs> and and not have like. Um, whether it's a side hustle or, you know, kind of building something on the side, what, what happens if you lose your job? That's risky as well. Hmm. But um, again, it's, it's probably not for everyone. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because being an individual contributor and being a business owner, they are two separate things, right? We talked about hmm. that earlier. Um, what makes you a great individual contributor may not make you a great business owner. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So help me understand. So, you know, you've convinced me that business, uh, starting a business is what uh, we ought to explore at least. Uh, and I, I want to start business right now. Um, so help me understand what is it do I need to prepare myself in order to start and hopefully grow a successful business? Okay. Well, let me, let me wind back a little bit. Um, I think a lot of people want to start businesses nowadays because entrepreneurship is trendy, right? You have, you know, all these, uh, business gurus like Gary Vee or like Grant Cardone saying, you know, you know, work really hard and hustle and do your side hustle. And it's, you know, you're not safe in a job. I think that's overstated to be honest. I think that a lot of people do quite well in corporate. Um, because as they can just focus on what they're technically brilliant at and do amazingly well. Like if I look at a lot of the people I went to school with who ended up in corporate and stayed there, some of them done amazingly well, um, like probably, you know, top, I would say top 10, if not top, mm. yeah, probably top 10 people in industry in Australia. Um, I know some of those, then again, you know, there are other people who end up in corporate and they get stuck in middle management somewhere and they're doing the same thing 10 years later, right? I don't think that's so much to do with, I think that has more to do with personality and more mm -hmm. to do with drive than to do with any innate set of business skills or technical brilliance, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think if you want to do well in your career and manage it, like you would manage a business, you can do ex exceptionally well in mm -hmm. it as well, right? It might not be great, it might not be glamorous, you may have to do some things you don't want to do, but yeah the exact same thing is true in business, mm -hmm. right? I think what a lot of people coming from a corporate background or technical background, getting the business don't realize is that with business, you are the boss, you have to do everything, right? You have to do the sales, the marketing, the admin, the hiring, the firing, the client work. If anything goes wrong, it all comes back to you. Yeah. Versus in a team, you have other people to take care of all that stuff for you, right? Mm. And also if you, I also believe that if you're going to a business, you should shoot for the big leagues. Otherwise it's better off staying in corporate. Right. Right. Like why, you know, why go into business just to make a hundred thousand dollars a year? You may as well stay in corporate and do that. It's much safer. It's much more relaxed. You spend more time with your family. Right. Like I would say that's one good reason to go into business. You know, if you want to make a lot of money very fast, business would be a way mm -hmm. to do that. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. So you know, business is probably not something that uh, I think a lot of people get, right? Uh, I think what, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, what are some of the things that we can start thinking about uh, that makes a business kind of like be able to continue to do well? And mm -hmm. by, by doing well, I mean, you know, generating revenue, continuing yep. to increase revenue even over time. Um, yep. And that doesn't necessarily mean adding headcount. Like uh, you yep. run a successful business yourself um, as a, pretty much a solopreneur. Um, mm. And that is the sort of business I think most people are kind of looking at, myself included, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do I grow a business without necessarily making it into something way, way beyond what I, I want to handle? <laughs> so so mm -hmm. what are some of the ingredients that you think that needs to happen uh, to start one? Okay. So I think the first thing is if you're coming from corporate I would say, make sure you have a clear financial runway for your business. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to factor in how much it's going to cost to start and then market your business and also to cover your living costs during that time, right? It's not like you wake up one day, you know, file your business paperwork and the next day you're instantly making boatloads of money. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. I wish mm -hmm. that it did, but it <laughs> doesn't. 
Um, I would also say expect it to take probably two times as long as you think it will before you start seeing any real revenue that will cover your day-to-day -day and you know pay for other things as well. And I, I say this also because you know I, I'm in my late 30s mm. um, and a lot of people in the late 30s who you know have sold a business or have left a business and started a new business, they have this assumption that they've kind of um, put in their time and dues already and that it's going to be easier this time around. It's not any easier. Like when you start a new business, especially in a new industry, you are basically starting from zero, right? Now you may get some fortunate opportunities and contacts and luck along the way. And if you get it, take it obviously, but I would not make the assumption that, oh, last time it took me 12 months, this time it's going to take me six. It doesn't work that way, mm. right? So definitely make sure that financially you are covered and have enough runway to yep. start your business before getting into it, especially if you have dependents, if you have spouse, family, children, that kind of thing. Um, you need to consider that as well. Yeah. And then for the actual startup of the business, you can kind of think of it, or I like to think of it in sort of phases, right? So in the beginning, you are pretty much just selling. You are going to be a sales machine and marketing machine, right? You will sell anything to anyone who is willing to buy it <laughs> for a price <laughs> because your business needs revenue and preferably profit to survive in the beginning, mm. right? And I think for most business owners, you know, there's that statistic that's like what 95% of all small businesses fail in the first five years or mm -hmm. something, exactly. maybe in the first 12 yep. months. Yeah. The reason for that is because they don't get enough revenue to sustain the operations. Right. Yeah. And so that's why the beginning, the focus should be marketing and sales pretty much until mm. you know, you hit, hit a point where you're like, okay, you know, I can afford to pay myself, pay my employees, couple operating costs, and then you can start thinking about, okay, what's next. Right. I, I wouldn't even think about scaling or operations or systems or anything fancy until you've hit that point in your business. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you do it first. Um, and then once you, you've kind of reached the ceiling, uh, to, you know, or at least a minimum kind of revenue target, uh, that's when you can start to kind of operationalize or systematize yes. a lot of the things in the business. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a, that's a very good advice. Like, um, I think a lot of people, uh, don't quite get is that, uh, you know, starting a business means, um, you know, having everything ready and in place and, you know, I've got, got my logo, my website, you know, I've got all these systems. I, I've subscribed to all these tech tools and then now let's start looking for customers. You know, I think that's kind of, a, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know what you think about that, but, um, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the, right the, degree, mm. the degree of that is just what you're comfortable with. Like I definitely know people who have started businesses and build in the six figures who don't have a website, um, still use a Gmail. Um, mm. Yeah, they're like, how do you even run this thing, right? But I, <laughs> I think, again, it comes back to what are you comfortable with, right? Like me personally, you know, maybe I'm a bit old fashioned. I'm like, you know, businesses should have a website. You should have a professional email. Um, you should be able to talk to clients on Zoom without the 40 minute timer running out every time. Mm. <laughs> you know, like that's that's, right. that's just me, perhaps, perhaps I'm old fashioned about it. You can definitely start with a lot less. Yeah. And um, coming back to the whole idea of, you know, just running a successful business, what are some of the levers, right? What are some of the, the, the levers in the business that you can um, kind of pull, right? In order to kind of scale up. I think we alluded to earlier, the three systems that you talked about. Um, but mm -hmm. if I wanted to grow the business further, assuming that, you know, I reach a certain level of profitability, you know, uh, the mm -hmm. business is sustainable right now. Yep. 
um, how then do I scale up the business? Is it adding more products? Is it adding more um, salespeople? Or you know, what can I do to scale it up? Yeah, it depends on the nature of the business, but let's let's assume we're talking about like some kind of service consulting agency style mm. business, right? Like a B two B. Yeah, the first thing I would probably do is just scale up the marketing and sales. So I would put more spend into marketing, acquire more leads, and then see what breaks. <laughs> mm. Right? Like, say, you know, say on average, you're an agency, you get five leads a month. What happens if you get 50? What's mm. going to give first? The salespeople? The people doing client delivery? The operational staff? Like, what, what is going to give? Right. And you, you don't need to obviously get 50 and let it break to see that, you know, like you'll, if you go from five to 15, you'll immediately start to get a sense of, okay, we're kind of weak in this spot. We should do something about that. Right. And the great thing about business systems is it's all pretty predictable. It's all problems that have been solved before. So if you're having a problem in a particular area of your business, like, you know, um, our salesperson can't handle all the incoming calls, well, then get a second salesperson. Right. Or automate your sales funnel a bit so that, mm. you know, some of the lower value leads don't need sales calls. That's right. These are all solvable problems that have been solved in the past. Whatever problem you have, someone else has already gone through it. And mm. with the internet, you can pretty much find out what that solution is and then just implement it. Yeah. I, I think that's great advice. I mean, um, you know, people usually think that uh, in order to scale up, it's really pretty much spending more money. Uh, but in another way to think about it, I think is what you just mentioned. Uh, you know, you you need to break the system first. You need to break and see where the breaking points are in the system. Mm -hmm. For example, like does the salesperson really need to follow up all 50 leads or 100 leads? Um, is there a way to automate that process even further so that you get the salesperson talking to the most qualified leads? Um, and yes, for us, the it's most valuable leads. the most yeah. valuable leads, exactly the ones where yeah. you know you can convert. Um, so that's, I guess, that's a good, good advice because um, it reminds us that... Um, you know, A plus B doesn't equal C, right? It's it's mm. it's kind of like you got to really test. That's where A B testing for us in marketing it's it's where it's mm -hmm. all about, right? You got to test everything, test assumptions. Don't assume that you know just because you give get more leads, you get higher conversions as well. Um, mm. That's a common myth, I think most people think. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean that, that's that's all. Uh, you know, really great advice. Um, we're gonna kind of wrap up the conversation a little bit, but um, I want to talk a bit more about. Um, what you think um, about productivity? Because productivity to me, uh, it's about doing less busy work and doing more, you know, of the kind of work that matters, right? The work that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, if you do this today, it's gonna be, it's gonna lead to a better tomorrow. Um, you know, what are sort of the things that uh, we can do today that will help us in the future? So I, I wanna get <laughs> into your, your thoughts a sure. little bit about what productivity means to you. Uh, what, yep. why we should all be thinking about productivity, uh, especially for us. Um, I'm talking about myself as a marketer, but also if I'm a solopreneur, right? Um, I have to be productive because I only have 24 hours in a day. Unless yes. I'm thinking to work 18 of those hours, <laughs> yeah, no, I you. need to be more productive, <laughs> right? So yes. yeah, I like to dive into your thoughts a bit about productivity and, and what you think. Yeah, I would say, I think I used to have a definition where like, if you're doing things that progress you towards your goals more than 50% of the time, I consider that being productive. I would say you could probably bump up that number a little bit nowadays, given that we have more tools and processes at, a, at our disposal. The way that I've always thought about productivity is 
through systems, actually. So, you know, we, we just talked about a whole bunch of business systems, marketing systems and all that stuff. But what if you took the same framework and applied it to your life, right? Mm. So let's, let's think about our lives. We have like the big areas, you've got your health, you've got your relationships, you've got money. You probably have like some kind of, um, let's call it personal development, self-learning, perhaps spirituality, um, perhaps downtime is an area of your life as well. What systems can you put in place to make each of these areas quote unquote productive, right? If you think about it that way, then it's just a simple matter of pulling levers in each of those systems to increase the output of each of those systems to the point where you want it, right? Um, you know, that being said, you know, we are human beings. There is a breaking point. You can't, as you said, you can't work 18 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point in doing that. But I would say that if you look at it from that perspective and you get all the basics right across each area, you're naturally going to become more productive anyway. Right. Mm. So if you have like a 10% increase in your health, that might mean you have 10% more energy to spend on focused work. Right. If your relationships are fairly smooth selling, you're not going to be spending a lot of mental energy and psychological energy thinking about, you know, oh, should I have said this? Should I have done that? Oh, like I need to do this, do that. All right. It's going to be relatively smoother, which will free up your time and attention for work, for more proactive things. Um, same thing across every area of life, pretty much, I would say. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And what are some of the tips that you can share, maybe from your own experience about, uh, you know, what are some of the systems that you implement into your own life? For productivity? Yeah. Yeah, I would say I, I tell people to start with health, to be mm. honest. Okay. So stuff like getting enough sleep, enough good sleep, right? Um, probably one of the best investments I've ever made is buying like a nice, expensive, comfortable mattress because I, <laughs> you know, I'm on it for a third of my life. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And there's a huge right. difference between waking up tired and rushing, and waking up like well rested because you slept well. Mm. Right. Um, uh, you, you mentioned earlier that I have a home gym, like yeah, part of that was we had lockdowns here in Thailand, but part That's of right. it was yeah. also like, I wanted to be able to exercise regularly, like almost every single day without the hassle of having to, you know, pack a gym bag and grab a water bottle and walk down to the gym and do that. And, you know, sure, you know, fight for people with a fight with other people for equipment and stuff like mm. that. I was just <laughs> sick of that. I was like, it's not worth the mental energy of, you know, convert my spare bedroom to a gym. Right. I think if you get that energetic foundation right, you are automatically going to see, you know, 20, 30, 40% gains in productivity across other areas of mm. your life. And then you can start to look at the other areas and decide what you want to do there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and a question I want to ask, because you come across as someone who's very calm. <laughs> you have, <I> so. <laughs> you seem to have things under control now, but I'm sure you're human as well, right? So Aaron, <laughs> What do you do when you feel um, overwhelmed? Like, you know, especially with, because you're managing your own kind of work and um, you can't really control, uh, you know, client requests and projects coming up, right? So how, how mm -hmm. do you handle when you feel you're overwhelmed with things? Mm -hmm. So I'm quite stoic about it, actually. So it's like, you know, yes, the situation is overwhelming, but it's my choice to feel overwhelmed about it. That being said, on a more practical level, you can do things like uh, like we were talking about books earlier and that I mm. read fiction. 
So one mm. of the things I always do is I read about 20, 30 minutes of fiction every night before I go to mm. sleep, because that lets me disconnect from whatever craziness happens to be going on that particular day. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's one way to temper that. Um, and I, I don't know if this is a healthy approach, but when I do get overwhelmed, when I have like, uh, I remember this, there was this one week in February where I had been chasing up on client work for, I think it was like two or three weeks where every client was like, I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you. And then they all decided to get it to me on the same day, right? So my to-do list went from like two items to like 30 items overnight. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but what I tell myself is like, look, you know, you're, you're good at this productivity stuff. You're pretty focused when you work. You're good at the work you do. Just break it down into actionable steps bit by bit and then just do a little bit every day to get it done. Mm. Right? Mm. Have a bit of patience. Yep. I think one thing that causes people to get overwhelmed is they see a big list and they're like, I just want this gone now, right? But the reality in business is that sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes like you're going to have to slog through 20 days of two items a day until it gets all cleared that's just you know that's just part of doing business yeah yeah that, that's that's great advice and basically how do you swallow an elephant you take one bite at a time <laughs> yeah. yeah one step chew at a time a <laughs> yeah chew a lot <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's excellent um so before we go is there one last advice you'd like to tell the audience um and uh you know people who are marketers or people who have ambitions starting their own business. Um, is there one last advice that you'd like to leave us with? Ooh, so many pieces, but okay, <laughs> let me try to simplify it. I would say that if you're thinking about starting a business, ask yourself, um, really try to ask yourself and imagine when you're running the business and say you get the outcomes you want for that business financially or lifestyle wise is that going to make you happy in the long term, right? A lot of people start businesses and end up trapped in their businesses, being mm. extremely unhappy. Um, then again, an equal number of people start their businesses, fall in love with it and end up very happy, but it's different for everyone. Mm. And I, I'm a believer that we should only really be doing things that make us happy in the long term. So starting a business would fall under that category. Mm. Well, that's great advice. And, uh, well, uh, Aaron, I really appreciate our conversation and I've learned so much and there's a lot more to uncover. So I hope that we can uh, do this again next time in the future. Absolutely. And my pleasure. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And this has been an episode of The Marketer's Guide. I'll catch you in the next episode.